Thank you for tuning into sermons from Liberty Baptist Church in Newport Beach, California. Our goal is to help you know God more and take the next step in your spiritual journey, no matter where you're at. If you have questions about God or about Liberty, you can connect with us at libertybaptistchurch.org. We pray that the Lord will use this message to be a help and encouragement in your life. This morning we find our text in Acts chapter number 22, and we're continuing moving verse by verse through the book of Acts, this rich book. Where we're at, because it's been a week or two, I guess, uh, since we've been here, I guess two weeks since we've been back in our series going verse by verse through here, where we find ourselves, the book of Acts, of course, is the, early, the history of the early church after Jesus has ascended back into heaven. It covers a span of about 30 years, the disciples and, uh, and God's work in and through His disciples and, and how they begin to take the gospel to the whole world. And where we find ourselves, we're, we're a couple decades after Christ's ascension, death, burial, resurrection, and ascension back to heaven. And, uh, and, and we find ourselves looking at the Apostle Paul's missionary journeys, and in Acts 22, he has completed his third missionary journey. He finds himself in Jerusalem, where it was foretold to him, if you go, you're going to have problems. If you go uh, to Jerusalem, and he ends up there, he's in Jerusalem, he's giving an account to the Jerusalem church, the Jewish church of believers, what God has been doing through his missionary travels, and, and then the mob turns on him, just as was predicted. And the mob turns on him, and he's, he's bound up. They try to kill him, and the Roman soldiers come, basically save his life. He's bound in chains, and he asks them, he says, can I address the mob? I want to talk to those that got so angry, irate at me, and I want to let them know. And two weeks ago, we looked at Paul's testimony, and uh, this morning we're going to pick up in verse 17, and Paul is continuing to talk about his testimony and complete transformation. And this morning, I want to bring a message entitled, Painful Parts of Our Past. This morning, we've taken a few moments to remember an extremely painful and defining chapter of our past as a nation, 9-11. God has us here, I didn't plan this, in our passage this morning as Paul reflects on some of the painful chapters of his own past. We're going to pick up the story in verse 17 and read through the end of the chapter. And as Paul continues giving his testimony to an angry mob of people, verse 17, would you follow along? We'll read to the end of Acts 22. If you don't have a copy of God's Word with you, there should be one in the pew rack in front of you. I'd encourage you, we're going to look back at the Word a few times throughout the morning's message and encourage you to keep your Bibles open and follow along there as we read together. Acts 17, and it came to pass that when I was come again to Jerusalem, he's in Jerusalem right now talking about back when he got saved. Even while I prayed in the temple, I was in a trance. So he's there praying, and God begins to give him a vision. And he's there, and God begins to show him. And verse 18, and, and I saw him saying unto me, God saying unto me, make haste and get thee quickly out of Jerusalem, for they will not receive thy testimony concerning me. God told me the first time I was here, Paul says, that people here weren't going to like my message, especially because they weren't going to like me as the messenger. You see, Paul had been the, 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 t the time before this, but before he was in this trance, when he was in Jerusalem, it was to put Christians to death. 
Paul had been one that persecuted the church of God, and so uh, people, Christians didn't like him. They were scared of him back, back then because he put them to death, and now the Jews didn't like him because he had been a ruler of the Jews, and now he had turned his back on that religion when he accepted Christ. So he was not a real popular guy. Verse number 19, and I said, they know that I imprisoned and beat in every synagogue them that believed on thee. And when the blood of thy martyr Stephen was shed, I also was standing by and consenting unto his death and kept the raiment of them that slew him. And he said unto me, God speaking to Paul, depart, for I will send thee far hence unto the Gentiles. And they gave him audience. Now we're back into present day. So Paul finishes his, his telling his history. Now in verse 22, we're back to present day. They, the mob, gave him, Paul, audience unto this word. So they listened. And then what, what was their response? And then lifted up their voices and said, away with such a fellow from the earth, for it is not fit that he should live. Paul tells them his whole life, I was you guys before. I was one of you. I, I, I used to put people to death. I was a, an angry Jew. I was a ruler of the Jew, Jews, and Jesus changed my life. And he tells this whole story. They listen, they kind of looked at each other, put him to death. He doesn't deserve to live. Verse 23, and as they cried out and cast off their clothes and threw dust in the air, the chief captain commanded him to be brought into the castle and bade that he should be examined by scourging that he might, they might, he might know wherefore they cried so against him. So the mob gets crazy again. The mob had already been angry, had already been crazy, and, uh, and, and, and they had come and, and kind of spared him, put him in chains. He's walking up to the castle. He says, stop on the steps of the castle. Can I address the crowd? I want to preach Jesus to this, these people that want to kill me. He preaches Jesus, tells them his story, and they say that just, they're taking off their clothes, they're ripping their clothes. Get the scene in your mind. They're throwing dust in the air. It, it, if, if there were news today, it would have been all over the news, social media. This guy doesn't deserve to live. Put him to death. And so the soldiers say, all right, let's figure out what's going on here. We got a problem on our hands because whatever Paul just said didn't fix it. So they take him in and they say, how are we going to get him to tell us the truth? Well, we're going to do some torture tactics. To, in, in his interrogation, we're going to go scourge him to get him to tell us why, what's the real story here? Why are these people so angry? Verse 25, and as they bound him with thongs, or they tied him down, they laid him to begin to scourge his back with ropes, that Paul said unto the centurion that stood by, is it lawful for you to scourge a man that is a Roman and uncondemned? So he says to the Roman soldier, under the, uh, if we can bring it over to America, under the Constitution, are you allowed to, uh, to, to do this torture, to scourge me when there's not been a trial? Don't I have a right to due process? Paul basically says, and notice what it says in verse 26. When the centurion heard that, he went and told the chief captain, saying, take heed what thou doest. Be careful, man. This man is a Roman. We got, we got a problem on our hands. Then the chief captain came and said unto him, tell me, art thou a Roman? He said, yea. And the chief captain answered, with a great sum obtained I this freedom. He said, I, I, I paid a whole lot of money to become a Roman citizen. Paul said, well, I was born that way. Verse 29, then straightway they departed from him, which should have examined him. And the chief captain also was afraid after he knew that he was a Roman and because he had bound him on the morrow, because he would have known the certainty wherefore he was accused of the Jews. He loosed him from his bands and commanded the chief priests and all their counsel to appear and brought Paul down and set him before them. So he says, okay, we're not, we're not going to get mixed up in this, in this, this legal nightmare. 
your Sanhedrin, your council, the Jewish council is going to figure out what these accusations are about. That is the story, and, and we're going to take our thoughts from here. But the first few verses that we read, we see Paul recounting a very painful part of his past. He says, I put Christians to death. I was standing there telling them to kill that first martyr, Stephen. And Paul in his testimony is recounting a very painful part of his past that he brings up multiple times. It was always a part of his story and a part of his testimony. And from this passage, I want to share a few things with us, a few truths about painful parts of our past. He's in a painful season at the moment. He's bound up, about to be scourged. And in this painful season, he recounts some painful things about his past. Number one, I want to bring out the thought for all of us. We all have pain in our past. We all have pain in our past. Both self-inflicted and others inflicted. All of us. We all have some pain that we look back at, regret, whatever it might be, of things we wish we would have done differently, people we wouldn't have hurt, things we wouldn't have handled that way. And we all have pain in our lives from things that have been done to us. That's a part of the broken, sinful, fallen world that we live in. Hurt people, it's been said, hurt people. The same was true for Paul. He, he describes here some pain and regret that he has because of his own sinful actions. And, and we also see in his life pain inflicted by others. And sometimes, church family, we convince ourselves that God can't use us because there is some painful chapter in our past. I don't know what you're facing, those that are sitting under the sound of my voice or those that are watching online, but the, the devil or your flesh comes and tells you, you're not good enough. God can't use you because fill in the blank, that painful chapter of your past. And you know the answer to that is, you're exactly right. I'm not good enough. But it's not about my righteousness. It's his righteousness imputed in me. He's good enough. And God uses us in spite of us. Your pain may be a chapter of your story, but it doesn't have to be your whole story. Remember, everyone has a chapter of their story they don't want anyone else to read. My wife told me that quote a couple of months ago. She read it somewhere. Everyone has a chapter of their story that they don't want anyone else to read. And all of us, sometimes for whatever reason, we begin to think we're the only ones that have that in our past. And because of that, that's why I'm not good enough. I can't be what God called me to be here. I can't be the husband I'm supposed to be. I can't be the servant I'm supposed to be. I can't be the mom I'm supposed to be. I can't be the, 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 the whatever it is, uh, employee that I'm supposed to be because of this painful chapter. But a reminder, one of the most mightily used humans in all of history in the work of God had some painful parts of his past both self-inflicted and others inflicted. What in your life are you using to tell God why he can't use you the way that he uses other people? Moses told God that he couldn't be used because he didn't have enough talent. I'm not good enough like everybody else. I, I stutter. Remember that? And what did God say? Who made your mouth? You think I don't know you stutter? I can use you in spite of your weakness. Gideon told God, you got the wrong guy. I'm from a poor family, and I'm the runt of, of the litter in that family. You can't use me, God. Jeremiah told God, I'm too young, and I don't know how to speak to people. No one will listen to me. Even Paul struggled with his past. He called himself the chief of sinners. He struggled with that. But a reminder to us this morning, everybody, everybody has 
Every one of us has pain in our past. I want you to do something this morning. I want you to look to the person. I want you to look around you this morning. Look to the person to your right right now. Go ahead. Look to the person to your right. See who's sitting next to you on your right. Now look over to your left. I want you to see who's sitting on your left. Everyone's just seeing the back of people's heads, aren't you? Now I want you to look in front of you. Nobody's there for the people in the, the front rows here, but whoever's sitting there, those that are front, you're looking at me. Now look behind you. See who's sitting behind you. Go ahead. I'm going to let all of us in on a little secret. Every person that you just looked at, every one of them, there is not one of those people that you just looked at that has it all together. Nobody you just looked at has everything figured out. Is walking through this life with no pain, with no struggle, with no challenge, with no regrets. None of their lives are without painful parts, not one. Stop letting Satan condemn you and tell you that you are worthless and unable to be used. The only people that God has to use are people with pain in their past. Number two, I see in this, in this passage, number two, our pain doesn't have to define us. Number two, our pain doesn't have to define us. It's a part of us, but it doesn't have to define us. Look at verse 21, would you? Would you read uh, the, uh, let's see here, two, four, five, the sixth word. I'll read the first five words, then you read the sixth word aloud when I, when I pause. And he said unto me, let's try that again. And he said unto me, Depart. Who's talking to who? God's talking to Paul. You've got some painful things in your past that are affecting you where you're at. You know what God said? In spite of those things and because of those things, depart. What did God say? Quit wallowing in your past. Get up. Get going. Don't stay here where every person you interact with will remind you of the worst, of your, of the worst moments of your life and your worst actions. I still have a plan for you. I have people you can help. I have impact you can make. I have a purpose for you to fulfill. And he said unto me, I told God, God, you know I've got these painful parts of my past that are going to affect my ministry here in Jerusalem. And God said to Paul, depart, get up. And what did he say? Depart, for I will send thee far hence unto the Gentiles. I have a work for you to do in spite of your past or with your past. I have a, I have a people that you can reach. And by the way, isn't it amazing that God can use, and I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit, but God can use those things in our past for his glory. Had Paul not had these things in his past, Paul may not have had a heart or a willingness to go preach to the Gentiles. But God used that, and, and he said here, he said that, that, Paul, get up. Yes, it hurts. Yes, there were tears, but that season doesn't have to define you. The destruction or hurt in your past doesn't have to stay that way. You can move forward from it. Our past doesn't have to define us. Depart, get up, and keep serving. The USS New York, it's a state-of-the-art Navy warship, was launched in 2007. It's unique. There are only a few that have a similar story now. It's unique because this battleship was built with 24 tons of scrap steel from the World Trade Center. It's now being used for various missions, including special operations against terrorists. Its motto is, strength forged through sacrifice, never forget. The very towers that were destroyed by terrorists are providing materials to wage war on terrorism. The redemptive nature of God takes that which has been destroyed and gives it purposeful new birth and life. Isn't that a beautiful picture? The towers that were destroyed, the very steel by terrorists now being used in the war on terror. 
A great picture of God's redemption, that thing in our past that is painful, that's hurtful. We look back at and we remember, and just like you remember if you were alive where you were on 9-11, we remember that moment when, when we made that mistake of a lifetime. We remember that moment when we have that regret of a lifetime. We remember that way that that person hurt us. And if we're not careful, we stay there in the rubble of our, the destruction of our lives. And God says, I want to take that scrap steel and I want to use that strength for through sacrifice. I want to use that to strengthen you for your, your new calling, your next purpose. I'm not done with you, Paul. Depart. Go tell the Gentiles of my love for them. Our painful past doesn't have to define us. Number three, we see with Paul here a good reminder. Some people will hold your past against you. Verse 18, he saw him saying unto me, Make haste and get thee quickly out of Jerusalem, for they will not receive thy testimony concerning me. Look at verse 22. And they gave him audience unto this word. Oh, we heard how God changed your life. And then lifted up their voices and said, Away with such a fellow from the earth, for it is not fit that he should live. We don't care what God did in your life. You're worthless to us. Kill him. We don't care about you. And by the way, again, in the lives we live, there are some people that, that will, will hold our pasts against us, hang them over our heads. May I say this? As Christians, that ought not to be us. We're called to love. We're called to forgive. We're called to show mercy. We're called to restore, especially when there's repentance. But the sooner you and I understand that and, 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 and come to grips with that fact, uh, the sooner we do that, the quicker we'll be able to put our time and energy into the things that matter most. Don't waste your time and energy trying to convince those or change their minds. Focus on those God has called you to serve, not those who refuse to see the change God has made. Can I say that statement one more time? Focus on those God has called you to serve, not those who refuse to the, see the change God has made. When God told Paul, and when these people said, we're not going to listen to him, what did Paul do? He stayed in Jerusalem and did a PR campaign to clear his name. Is that what he did? No, he followed God, and God said, I've got another people for you to, to serve, and he preached Jesus to another people. Number four, God can use things in our past in unexpected ways. I love this. This goes along with that beautiful, beautiful redemptive nature of our, of our God. God can use things in our past in unexpected ways. First of all, in unexpected ways to help others. Had Paul not been so universally feared and reviled in Jerusalem, he may have never been called or had the passion to take the gospel to the Gentiles. The gospel, because of Paul's past, because God said, you're not going to be the greatest um, preacher to the Jews. I'm going to use you to the Gentiles while I use Peter and others to the Jews. Because of Paul's past, the gospel spread like wildfire to a group of people that Jews hated. There were not many early believers. We see this even in Peter's life. Peter had some pretty strong prejudices, biases, some might even say racism in his heart toward Gentiles. That was very strong in those early Jewish believers. And by the way, it was vice versa, the Gentiles back to the Jews. And, and there were probably not very many early believers that would have gone out with a passion and, and, and with a whole heart and said, God loves Gentiles. I want to see as many of you get saved as possible. But because of Paul's past, he was uniquely equipped to be able to preach to the Gentiles. The things that Paul viewed as a negative in his past, God used as a positive for other people's lives. 
Don't ever forget that, that God can do that in your life and in mine to, to help others. The gospel spread in unbelievable ways, not just in spite of Paul's past, but because of it. Because the Jews feared him and wanted nothing to do with him, God sent him to the Gentiles. And may I, may I remind us this morning, most everyone sitting here in this room today can trace our hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ, if we were to be able to trace it all the way back to that command to Paul to take the good news to Gentiles. You study where the gospel came and how it got to you into to the Western world, you can trace it back to Paul taking the beginnings of it, Paul taking the gospel to the Gentiles. It's amazing how God can take the painful parts of our past and use them to bring healing to people we never would have expected. That's the power of our God and the power of his life-changing gospel. Al Marchand was on the United Airplane, Airlines plane that hit the World Trade Center, South Tower. His wife, Rebecca, she saw it as a divine appointment. She said, I know it was no mistake he was on flight 175. Four years earlier, you see, Al was an unbeliever. He was a policeman who, who did bartending on his days off. God had no place in his life, but... He had to listen to the preaching of a preacher that those of us in Southern California maybe have heard the name of, Greg Laurie. He's right, there, right over here in Riverside. And those that would come in to mop the bar in the mornings would turn on Greg Laurie's preaching while this bartender was closing up the bar. And at first it was an annoyance to him. What is this guy talking about? What is he preaching about? He didn't like it at first, but the idea of a personal relationship with God, God began to work in his heart, and, and eventually both he and his wife became Christians. It was a total change, and they frequently shared their faith with old buddies from the bar. Ultimately, his faith led him to a second career as a flight attendant. Promotions at the police department meant more office work and less time with people, so Al decided to retire after 20 years. While buying airline tickets via the internet, he was struck by an ad to become a flight attendant. He got the job and felt like it was his life's calling, and here's what he told his wife. What if there was a time when a flight is going down? What if I'm the only one who can share the gospel? Just one month before his death, Al flew home on standby next to a nervous passenger named Linda Lynx. She asked if Al would talk to her to ease her fear of flying. Upon learning of his death, Lynx recalled something Al said. He told her on that flight a month before his death, I became a flight attendant so if a plane went down, I could have 30 to 40 seconds to speak the gospel to people so they could receive Christ. Rebecca, his wife, is certain those passengers heard the gospel before they crashed because nothing gave Al Marchand greater joy than speaking of Christ's love. Maybe that's why it isn't surprising his wife got to share this story on NBC's Today Show with Tom Brokaw and that at his memorial service, over 100 people responded to an altar call. And, and, and Al could have looked at his past and say, I wasted so many years not living for God and living for myself and a, a bartender and helping other people hurt their lives. I could have done that. Or he could say, you know what, because of my past and the way that God healed me, God can take those hurtful things in my past and use them to help others in unexpected ways. So church family, don't, don't languish in sad regret or wallow in self-pity. Get up and move forward and let God do what he wants to do with you and with every part of your past. He can use it to help others in unexpected ways. Not only can he use our past to help others, he can use our past to help us. Look at verse 25. 
And as they bound him with thongs, Paul said unto the centurion that stood by, Is it lawful for you to scourge a Roman that is, man that is a Roman and uncondemned? Paul was spared pain and beating because of something in his past that he had nothing to do with, his Roman birth. Things that he had no control over, God used something there to help him. Sometimes God will use things that were under our control in our past, and sometimes he'll use things that were out of our control but are a part of our story as he leads us along our journeys. We spend too much time, energy, and emotional uh, capital on thinking about things that were out of our control that are a part of our past and wondering, why did it have to be that way? Why did I have to be born there? Why, Why did I have to have that relationship? Why did I grow up that way? Here's the reality. If we let him, God can use those things, those sometimes painful things, to help others and even to help ourselves. And then lastly, I want us to see in the life of Paul the last thought about painful parts of our past. I want you to see that Jesus took your pain to free you from your past, to give you a future. Look at verse number seven of this chapter. We saw it two weeks ago. Verse number seven. Would you read verses seven and eight aloud with me? Chapter 22, verses seven and eight. Let's read them aloud. Ready? Begin. And I fell unto the ground and heard a voice saying unto me, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And I answered, Who art thou, Lord? And he said unto me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom thou persecutest. What was Paul's ultimate message, church family? His ultimate message was not about let me tell you everything painful about my past. Not about let me tell you everything painful about my present. Paul's ultimate message was let me tell you how Jesus Christ uh, came, the pain that he endured so that my past could be completely forgiven, my present could be completely transformed, and my future could be completely secure. Paul's ultimate message wasn't about my past. His ultimate message was about what God, the pain that God took on his behalf to completely redeem him, save him, forgive him of his sins, and change his entire life. Jesus took your pain to free you from your past and to give you a future. On 9-11, there were hundreds of stories of heroic rescues, sacrificial acts of fellow citizens, and people even willing to lay down their own lives. The Bible says there is no greater love than that. In those stories, we've, many of us undoubtedly have watched documentaries and read stories about them. One story that I was not aware of, and maybe you were not either, a couple of heroes that volunteered to give up their lives that we may have never heard of took place while United Airlines Flight 93 was still airborne. You see, the F-16 jets at Andrews Air Force Base in Maryland had just completed two weeks of training in Nevada, and they were only equipped with training bullets. In the pre-9-11 era, there were no perceived threats, so it was not uncommon. It was uncommon to have combat-ready jets, not uncommon to have jets that were not combat-ready around the nation's capital. Today, there are always at least two hot-cocked planes ready with pilots standing by. After the second plane struck the Twin Towers, the mission became obvious, but the equipment was lacking. No aircraft were ready, and there was no system in place to scramble the jets over Washington. Knowing it would take nearly an hour to arm the planes, Colonel Mark Sassville yelled for Heather Penny. Her nickname was Lucky, Lucky Penny. Heather Lucky Penny. He yelled for her to come with him. Penny was a rookie and one of America's first female combat pilots. Her dad flew in Vietnam and she loved flying, so she jumped at the chance when Congress opened up combat aviation for women. As they rapidly threw on their combat gear, they knew there was no ammunition to fire, so this would be a suicide mission. 
Sassville looked Penny in the eye and said, I'm going to go for the cockpit. Without hesitating, she replied, I'll take the tail. They knew that there were one, maybe two planes still in the air headed for some other targets. So while Todd Beamer on that flight was declaring those famous words, let's roll. Sassville and Penny said, let's go. They took off without an adequate pre-flight check and raced over Washington at more than 400 miles per hour. Penny said, I genuinely believed that was going to be the last time I took off. If we did this right, this would be it for me. They weren't trained to take out a passenger plane, but they were ready to give their lives to prevent another deadly strike. The heroes of this tragic scenario turned out to be the passengers of Flight 93, but the sacrificial commitment of these pilots is also heroic. Penny and Sasso flew the rest of that day clearing airspace and escorting the president, but their legacy of commitment and bravery occurred hours earlier during the chaotic uncertainty. What an amazing willingness. Now, they did live, but what an amazing willingness to sacrifice everything for a cause greater than themselves. And there were dozens, if not hundreds, that did that on that day, firefighters and police officers, and in the days to follow, frontline workers and servicemen and servicewomen that laid down their lives. And I don't mean to diminish their sacrifice at all, but may I say that Christ's sacrifice was much greater than any sacrifice made on that day. You see, the greatest sacrifice that's ever been made on behalf of mankind was the substitutionary death of Christ upon the cross of Calvary. Every hero on 9-11 and since then died so that fellow Americans could live for a few years or a few decades. Christ died so that you could live for eternity. So that you could have salvation in heaven as your home. Have you accepted his sacrifice on your behalf? Have you accepted that free gift? When the World Trade Center towers collapsed on 9-11, 69% of the fatalities occurred with people who were at or above the entry point of the two jets. In the South Tower, 600 civilians died above the plane's impact. Unknown to them was the fact that there was an open staircase that connected the upper floors to the street below. Of the hundreds trapped on the top 33 floors, only 18 people used that staircase to escape. The tragedy is horrible enough, but to think how many more could have been saved had they known about an open stairway. The gospel is much like that staircase. Only those who find it can escape certain death. There is a way of escape from eternal death and torment and hell. Jesus is that way of escape. The question is, will we take it? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. I'll close with this. This true story, a lady named Don Robinson, she was living in California. In 1998, she decided to visit New York City. She was a Christian, and she planned to attend the Brooklyn Tabernacle for a few weeks while she worked through some personal struggles in her life. Her temporary visit became permanent. Morgan Stanley offered her a job on the 61st floor of the World Trade Center. As a Christian, she quickly began, uh, her co-workers began to know there was something different about her, and she began to have gospel conversations with people at work, and one of her co-workers' name was Cassie. And she would have uh, conversations at the lunchtime and tell, tell the gospel of Cassie, and Cassie, she understood it, and she said, I, I know I, I need that in my life, and here's what Cassie would say, I'm just not ready to get on the bus. I know what you're, I think what you're saying is true. I, I got more, some more questions. I, I need something in my life. What you have, I think I need it. I, I think, but I'm just not ready to get on the bus. She used that phrase several times. 
She wasn't quite ready to get on the bus. On 9-11, Don's office went into a panic when two fireballs came roaring toward them from the North Tower. Everybody quickly got on elevators down to the 44th floor plaza. That was where they always went during the fire drills that had been conducted since the 1993 bombing incident. The people who congregated there seemed to be in a festive mood. Nobody was super alarmed at that point. Everybody thought it was an accident, and, and they were there. And the announcement came over the loudspeakers, everything's fine, you can head back to your offices. That, that tower had not yet been struck, and everybody went to the elevators. The elevator's doors opened, and Don said, I was about to get on, and there was just something inside of me that I can't explain it. It was uneasy and anxiousness, and I, I thought, no, I'm not, I'm not going to go back. And she thought, and she almost thought, I need to go back to my office and get my wallet and my keys. She thought, no, I'm, I'm not going to do it. I'm just going to leave, and I'm going to go to the ground floor. And she began to go down to that ground floor, and she began to move there. And, and as she descended just two flights of stairs, Don and others in the stairwell were thrown against the wall as Flight 175 crashed into the South Tower 20 floors above her office. With the flood of people, smoke, and water, it took Don another 45 minutes to reach the concourse level. The challenge to get out was enormous, but she finally made it to the street and ran for her life. Falling debris hit her, yet she kept running with blood streaming down her side, and a few brief minutes later, the entire tower collapsed. Dawn was engulfed in a thick cloud of dust and smoke. She said it was as dark as midnight, and she once again thought she would die. While gasping for breath, she looked and noticed Cassie just a few feet away. They ran down the street together until they, they found an abandoned bus. Both ladies jumped in because the cloud had not invaded the closed-up bus, and Dawn there on that bus pleaded for Cassie to commit her life to Christ. She said, we can't be sure we'll survive this. Please, Cassie, don't wait one minute more. Invite Jesus Christ into your life right now. And on that moment, on a bus, Cassie gave her life to Christ. The woman who had repeatedly told her friend she wasn't ready to get on the bus became a Christian on an abandoned bus in the war zone of downtown Manhattan. The invitation for every unbeliever today is to get on the bus and receive God's offer of salvation. No matter what painful chapters you have in your past, may I say this this morning? Christ died for you. He loves you. He wants to save you. He wants to use you. He wants to give you a future. He wants to spend eternity with you. Will you accept his sacrifice this morning? Will you get on the bus? As we remember the 20th anniversary of 9-11, remember that God works in and through the painful parts of our past. Thank you for listening to Messages from Liberty. Tune in next week for more Bible teaching or subscribe on iTunes to stay up to date with our current series.